I'll find it. Hebrews chapter 6. Let's stand together and we're going to read the Word of God here and give you a truth this morning that will be helpful to you. And it comes as a result of a question a good lady in her church asked about this particular passage. And as I was explaining it, I thought, boy, that would be a help to our church in general. And I wanted to bring a message on it, and it's been a couple weeks ago that it came to my heart to do that. But look in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 17. Uh, of course, on Wednesday dealt with uh, this passage, but not what I'm dealing with tonight, or this morning rather. But uh, look in verse uh, 17. It says, Wherein God, willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of promise, those people who inheriting the promises of God, God's people, the immutability of His counsel, something that can't be changed. That's what immutability is. Confirmed it by an oath. That by two immutable things, two things that couldn't be changed, in which it was impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation who have fled for a refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us. A hope is not a whimsical thing that you... I hope something happens. We very much misuse that word. It is a reasonable expectation based on the evidence. In fact, if there's not a reasonable expectation based on evidence, then it's not truly hope. It's a wish is what it is. And so it says uh, that we uh, might have a strong consolation. Consolation is a good word anyway. a, A blessing and a covering for us. Who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us, which hope we have, notice a little phrase, as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which entereth into that within the veil. If that's a little confusing to you, I'm going to explain that in a little more detail. So just, just kind of hold that in your mind there a moment. Whether the forerunner is for us entered, even Jesus made a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. As I mentioned on Wednesday, I've taught on Melchizedek here before, and that's actually an Old Testament appearance of Christ. I won't go into detail on it. It is on the podcast, and there's a four-part sub-series and episodes there on the mystery man of the Bible. And uh, it deals deals with Melchizedek, and and so you you can look at that. But I want you to notice verse 19. It says, which hope? What is that hope? That's That's the hope. The, the, the inheritance, the reasonable expectation that we can trust in Christ. And having trusted in Christ, we can be sure that He will do what He has promised He'll do. Thank God. I was talking, it's funny, I was talking to your neighbor over there, Randy, when I was trying to find you all the one afternoon, and he's got a sign on the back of his truck about soldiers and the cross and, and that. I don't know if you've seen that on his truck. And I said, man, I, said, I, like, your, I like your sign there. And he said, good. And I said, uh, uh, I said something. I said, sir, you believe her? I said, you're trusting in Christ. He said, well, I'm hoping I'm making it. And I said, there ain't no hoping you're going to make it. I said, what kind of talk are you talking? And he did, it caught him off guard. He's an old military guy. And I said, what are you talking about? And he said, well, he says, uh, oh, I said, ain't no hoping. I said, did Jesus say it is finished? I'm just talking to him just like this. Well, yeah. I said, well, he meant what he said. What do you mean? Maybe I'll make it. And he's talking that way. Well, I, just, I said, so I said, is the problem? I said, you trust in you? Are you trust in your works? Well, no, I know, I'm no good. Well, who are you trusting? Well, I think I'm trusting the Lord. Well, then what do you mean, maybe? Amen. I was talking to him. I said, you're a military man, yeah, and he'd served quite a bit. I said, did you have enough sense to know whether a mission was a success or a failure? Well, yeah. 
I said, Jesus said it is finished. So what are you talking maybe to me? Quit that nonsense. And I was going to give him blessed promise to replace it. Well, give that to somebody who needs it. And I started pulling. I came back and said, Come here. Came out of his garage. I said, You need it. Take this. <laughs> and he did. So he shows up at church. You'll know who I've been fussing about. And uh, this is, I'm very sweet in the way I approach people. Um, but thank God. Thank God we have a hope. And uh, the Bible says here that that hope is an anchor of the soul. And uh, we fled to it for refuge. Thank God for it. And uh, my, my title this morning is also one of the songs our songbook, uh, Will Your Anchor Hold? Will Your Anchor Hold? And that's, that's what I want to talk to you just a few minutes about this morning. So let's pray together. Father, help me to do so clearly and with your spirit in the same manner in which you would want it uh, given to your people. You love these folks. You gave your life and blood for them. This is your church. And Lord, I don't ever want to mistreat your bride. I pray you'll help me to love them the way you would love them if you were in this pulpit. And God, help me to speak truth. Amen. You may be seated. If you knew how important you are to God, you'd know how important church is. If you knew how important you are to God, you'd know how important it is that your life be used for Him. And uh, thank God. Man. I mean, value is determined by price paid. Yeah, you can do it. You ever seen somebody has a car for sale? There's one old boy had a, uh, it wasn't a 300, it may have been 280 or 300Z. It was one of the Datsun Z cars He's down there, down below us on Old Tarleton Road. Nice looking car years ago. And he had price on it. And I think one of my boys just stopped by asking him something about it, if I'm remembering correct on that. One of us did just for grin. The guy was way overpriced for what the car was. And his basic attitude, well, this car's worth this much. That car's still sitting by that driveway. It, it's a Datsun. It's an old Datsun, so it's rusted completely. You know, they're worse than the, the old Chevy pickup trucks for that. And uh, it, it's rusted and weeds growing up around it. And I'm thinking, well, that's right. And his attitude was, somebody won't give me this much for it. I'll just let her rot. Well, guess what he got to do? Let her rot. And, uh, you know, if you, if you have to take a, it, I don't know, they're just dumb financially. It just hurts my brain. But, you know, the value is determined by the price paid. You can, you can take your house and put it on a listing for whatever you want to, but it's going gonna, it's gonna to be worth what the market bears. Amen? That's exactly right. You can think you're a $25 employee, but if nobody wants to pay you over 10 guess what you are? Back to reality. Amen? Now think about this. You, Christ paid His blood for. Gave Himself in our behalf. What's that tell you might be worth to God? I'm telling you, it's good stuff, really. Really good stuff. And before I distract myself into another message, let me get back on track with the one I'm trying to give you here. Will your anchor hold? Look at the, look at the passage there. It says that uh, in verse 19, it says, which hope we have. I thank God we possess that hope as an anchor of the soul. It's interesting. Our soul tends to drift. Did you know that? When uh, the songwriter said, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, it wasn't just our mind that wanders, although it does that too. You ever have your mind wander when you're trying to pray? You're going to pray, and all of a sudden you're just off in left field somewhere saying, what am I doing? Have you ever been praying out loud, and all of a sudden you realize you're talking like an idiot to God? I mean, your sentences aren't even getting. I'm not talking you're so overwhelmed with being into prayer. You just have totally lost your train of thought while you're gone. You ever been praying and falling asleep? Anybody ever done that? Amen. Sleep in the arms of Jesus. Have you ever been reading a chapter of the Bible? You get done and say, what in the world did I just read? I don't mean that you didn't understand it. I mean you can't remember what you just read because somewhere along the middle of that chapter, your brain went floating off into the, the atmosphere somewhere. Well, I guess we are prone to wonder. Our soul does the same thing. 
Hey, believer, you ever had the time when God just seemed very real to you? And you have a heart for Him and, and, and you're in love with Him? And it means a lot to you. I mean, you just, it may be, it may be a, a, in a service, it may be where you're by yourself. It may just be something special time with the Lord. You ever have that? You ever have the time where it doesn't feel like, doesn't feel like you could get a hold of God if you had to? Ever been there? Why? Our soul tends to drift, doesn't it? Doesn't mean that you don't belong to Him. Thank God He keeps us. We don't keep Him. I'm glad of that. But I'm going to tell you something about it. God's given us an anchor, and that anchor is our hope. Our hope, my, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ, the solid rock I stand. What's all other ground, church? Sinking sand. Sinking sand. And uh, uh, something, uh, something with that. And so what is it? It's the anchor of the soul. Then notice something. Look in verse 19. This hope's an anchor of the soul. And then notice it describes two things. It says both sure and what? I was looking at that and I realized the sure, I believe, deals with the quality of the anchor. The steadfast deals with the anchorage. Many of you know Anchorage, Anchorage, Alaska. Anchorage, Alaska is named that because it's, it's one of the world's anchorages. It's a place where you can put ships. I studied anchors, anchorages. I've been on Marine, what was it, uh, Marine News. I've been on, uh, man, all these different sites studying anchors and anchors. I didn't know there was so much involved in it. It's pretty amazing. First of all, uh, there aren't that many places around the world that are good anchorage for decent-sized ships. That, that's a, somewhat of a rare thing. Second of all, there's a lot of different things involved with it. Also, there are all kinds of different anchors. Did y'all know that? There's a bunch of different ones. They're made out of different things. You have aluminum anchors, not, not suitable for a Nimitz-class carrier. Um, you have uh, mild steel anchors. You have the hardened steel anchors. You have different ones. You have the, um, the different varieties of mooring anchors, which are anchors which are put to keep a ship when, it's, uh, when it can actually, the anchor can actually reach the, the, reach the seabed or the, the, the bed of the water, body of water, wherever it be, whether it be a, a lake or a seabed or whatever. I also didn't know that uh, the length of chain or cable or rope that goes out is very, very important for the anchor to work right. I know that. Of course, I don't know anything about this stuff. But I found out, and they call them shots. How many shots of, of this do they put out there? Pretty amazing. Um, just for grins, to tell you, one link of the Nimitz class carrier, 340 pounds per link of the chain. A little heavier than my bicycle chain. Amen. That'd be a bicycle for a fat dude, wouldn't it? But that'd be something. But it's, uh, it's amazing. And I also found out that uh, if you anchor incorrectly, do you know that can actually capsize a ship? If they do it the wrong way, it's actually dangerous. Um, found out when people have these pleasure boats and they'll you know go around different areas like uh, if you were going up around the you know, bay areas uh, up around Maine and all in that area and you'd go into places sometimes they'll have places where you can leave the leave the your boat and then you know take a dinghy or whatever and go in and they'll have restaurants and stuff along the along the shoreline you can go in and they said the way you can tell somebody who's new is they they drop their anchor and immediately get in the dinghy and leave they don't back the boat and they don't set the anchor. Well, then they, the, their ship can be, their, their boat can be floating along when they go back. Or they, or they get within the radius of the swing of the other ships. All kinds of things. I feel like I'm ready to know just enough to get myself in trouble. And uh, I think I better start with a John boat, amen, and, and uh, an old, an old uh, hub from a 
Chevy or something and throw it over. Um, but there's an anchorage and there's an anchor. What is your anchor for your soul? I say to you, um, thank God for family. Thank God for friends. But I'm going to tell you something. Christ must be the anchor of our soul. I'm glad for our church. That's good since I'm a pastor. I should like coming here. That's, that's a good thing. And I've been around here a long time. And uh, coming up on 28 years next month. And I'm glad to be with it. And I uh, can't imagine not meeting together as a church. But the uh, church isn't my anchor. It is an anchor, but it isn't the anchor. Thankful for family members. And uh, they help with the anchors, but they're not the anchor. There's one anchor, and that's Christ. What keeps your soul from drifting? You know, uh, Jesus brings salvation, which brings transformation. Religion brings reformation. Reformation is trying to clean things up on the outside, and I'm glad for somebody who tries to get you know, their habits better or their living better. But that's reformation. We go turn over a new leaf. That's a, that's a New Year's resolution. That's a decision. Hey, I'm going to you know stop doing this, or I'm going to start doing that. And if you're pursuing something good, I'm all for you doing it. But I want you to understand something. That's reformation. It doesn't address the core issue. The core issue is that we're lost without Christ. That we're sinful by nature. And when we trust Christ and put our faith in Him, what happens is we're transformed. We become a new creature. They're actually, we are born again. September 14th. Please note the date. 1964, I was born. All right? September 14, 1964. That makes me young in some of your eyes, older and more and more of your eyes than what it used to be. But on July 26, 1980, I received Christ as my Savior and I was born again. I tried to reform the me that was born in 1964. There were things about the me I didn't like, and I tried to get them under control or do better with them, and I tell myself I'm not going to do that again, or I'm going, you know, you know that that thing goes. But thank God in 1980, I got an anchor. Man. His name's Jesus, and at that point, a transformation began. Amen. Thank God for it. What's your anchor? Say, I don't have an anchor. Then you will be carried about with every drift, every current. You're susceptible to every storm. They do the, uh, they do the drifting anchor sometimes. You know, when they're out in very deep water at all, you can't, uh, you can't hit anchorage for a mooring anchor. About the longest anchor I read about on a larger, larger uh, tanker was 1,060 feet of anchorage. Because the problem is, that you're the last which it's it's connected uh, for the the chain or whatever they're using to connect has to be able to stand the strain that that mooring anchor puts on it if if there's the pressure coming against it. Also, in some apparently in some uh, weather conditions, the ship can be damaged according to how the thing's anchored. Do you remember remember reading about Paul and all them when they were on the ship there and Eurachlodon uh, hit them? They threw out the they threw out the anchors and all that stuff. And what ended up happening eventually that ship. They were on stuck in a place near the shore. You remember that? And what did the sea do to it? Just tore that thing apart. They all got to shore on different pieces of the boat and all that sort of thing. Um, but do you know that the anchors and, and the way that they'll do those and to drop them in sometimes, even when they're not going to catch anything, 
They do just for drag resistance in the water to try to keep the ship where it's more controllable. And somebody has to know what they're doing with that stuff. How did the storm of life hit you? Forgive the metaphor changes in this, but it's a biblical example. It's like the Bible talks about the man had built his house on the sand and the one that built his house on the, on the, on the rock. He went down to the bedrock. Both of them built a house, and if you walked by the house, the one built on the sand would have went up faster because there was not the foundational work on it. Remember building this as you were involved when we built this particular building? And sometimes people who are not involved in it say, well, y'all didn't get much this done this week. We got a lot done this week. There are large block walls under the ground along here, and there's concrete piers under where those things go because the ground was bad ground falling away, and we had to put in a step footer. And there's a lot of block under this building for foundation. And you remember at that time, the hill was still there and it was raining and mud would fill that foundation, come on the foot and we had to clean it and start over again as we'd come in each day. Boy, once we did that and got above ground and the certain things for putting the skeleton of it up, it went up quickly and people in town said, man, that church is going up fast. I'm thinking, it wasn't going up fast. We've spent all that time, you know, digging. Well, this fellow who built on the sand, it went up quick. That house moved the family in. That other fellow, it was more expensive, it took more time, it was more tedious, but he built on a stone. And then the Bible says the storm came. You remember about that? The wind beat upon him, the rain came down, the floods hit the house. And by the way, both houses experienced the same external pressures. What happened to the one on the sand? Talk to me. What, did, what happened? It fell. And great was the fall of it. I wonder if people were inside when they lost that. What happened to the one on the stone? It stood. Why? Because there was a foundation. Uh, without Christ, you're, 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 you're without foundation. Without Christ, you're without an anchor. That's why you've been torn about. You wonder why you've been beat around so much. You wonder why life has taken you and twisted you in circles that you don't know how you can ever come back from. It's because there's no anchor there. Thank God we have an anchor. I'm glad I have an anchor. Thank God. It's amazing, even though he's not gotten in church yet, and there are many things deficient yet in my brother's spiritual growth, there are things that have changed since he got saved when he accepted Christ there when we were burying my mama in Kentucky, and he accepted Christ at her funeral. Let me tell you something. There are some changes. He just went through something that would have been pretty traumatic in the old John that my sister and I knew. It would have been not a good thing at all. But she said his whole approach was, okay, we're good. Because he doesn't know yeah, he's not growing as he ought to grow. Hey, Goofy, they told my sister, he said, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not changing as fast as I thought I would. She's like, well, you know, first step of getting in church regular might be a good idea. So anyway, trying to work on it. What do you do with older brothers? Amen. I know you, those of you who have older brothers, you lock them in a closet and, and uh, you know, <laughs> just leave them there. But uh, I, 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 I don't know. And uh, bless his heart, is wonderful. By the way, I just tell you this kind of, kind of funny. He, uh, he had to have his teeth removed. He had a lot of trouble with infection in his teeth. Well, my brother, my, my family does extremely weird on any kind of anesthesia. Years ago, when I, when I went to college, I had to septoplasty. I had to deviate septoplasty, septoplasty with that straight. And they took, took out my tonsils and adenoids and sent me home the same day. Whatever they knocked me out with, I destroyed the recovery room. Been in the bars on the side of the bed. I was, they sent in orderlies. I was picking them up. You know, you know it's just crazy. And, uh, and that's a good thing I never was a drug addict. I tell you, I'd have been a humdinger if I'd had been. And uh, I didn't forget the taser. Just hook him directly up to the line out there by the, by the uh, road and zap him. Um, but, 
my brother, he, uh, he, he, they put him in anesthesia for, to do all they had to do, the oral surgery. And so he's, my sister's taking home, you know, Sandra's had health problems and she's driving her little priest. And she said, John wakes up and he's like, and he goes, uh, John smokes. He goes, I need a cigarette. And she goes, no, John, just lay back. She says, yeah, smoke. Oh yeah, that's right, sis. I forgot. I'm so sorry. And he's just, she can tell he's just out of it. I'm sorry. They're going down uh, State Route uh, 122 at now Middletown and a 55 mile an hour. And uh, he says, uh, sorry, sis. He goes, I know, you're led by smoking your car. I'll be right back. Unbuckled and opened the door. <laughs> she said his leg was already out of the car. And she's like, ah! <laughs> so she's nailing the brakes. Some guy behind her about ran into her. She's trying to get things shut. And John's going, let me out, sis. I'm going to smoke. And <laughs> she's trekking back in. Did that twice before the guy got home. And she said it was quite an adventure. Now, fortunately, my brother is the slightest build of all. He's about 145, 147 pounds. And he got to the feed trough after me. But he, uh, he, he, she said, I'm glad he, she said, he'd been even bigger. She said, I'd lost him. She said, his leg was sticking all the way out. And he's like, let me go. I don't want to mess up your car. And uh, so anyway, he had just got the false teeth. And she said, you're going to bust your teeth, John. Get back in the car. And... <laughs> You say, what's that got to do with the message? You look sleepy. Now you don't. That's what it has to do with it. But, but the message is this. What do you have as an anchor? Thank God my brother had my sister as an anchor. Amen? Sorry, sis. If you're listening, she listens. He said it. Anyway, we'll, we'll settle that later. Oh. <laughs> uh, I just made a mistake. The, uh, every now and then she'll send me a text. I heard that, you brat. <laughs> But what do you have as an anchor? Or do you feel like you don't have one? Where are you at? Are you glad if you have Christ? Or do you have Christ? I'm glad, that, I'm glad there came a time where I realized my need for it. Amen. I'm, I'm telling you, it was a good day when God brought me under conviction and realized I needed the Lord. It wasn't comfortable. Conviction was not comfortable. But thank God He did that. So the quality of the anchor. What quality do you have as an anchor? I always worry. Somebody, I've had people say, and they're trying to be gracious. Oh, preacher, we just depend on you. Please. Please don't. Let me love you. Let me guide you. Let me be your pastor. But put your dependency on the Lord. Yeah, man. He, he never fails. He never errs. He's never lacking in love. He's never too busy. You need Him. Um, somebody will say about somebody in their family, they're just our rock. I know what they mean by that. And they're meaning it as, a, as an, a, uh, a compliment to that person. So I'm not against that. I'm not trying to nitpick words this morning. It's not my purpose. But in the reality of it is, if a person is your anchor... And you could, losing someone, you could suffer grief like no one could ever express with words. I'm not doubting that. I'm not discounting that. But in the midst of a storm, you need an anchor. Look at what the verse said, and this was amazing to me. In fact, as I prepared to speak to you about this, I didn't even notice this until I went over it again last night and this morning, and I do that before the messages so they'll be fresh in my mind as, as I'm always preparing for things ahead. 
And I looked at that and I thought, oh my goodness, I didn't see the obvious connection in verse 18. Look what it says there. It says for that by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation who have fled for a refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us. It's the idea of taking anchorage in a storm. He fled for a refuge, getting in somewhere to get away from the storm. I, uh, I thank God that we have a harbor. I'm glad we have a refuge. I'm glad we have a place we can go to get out of the storm alive. It doesn't mean that we're not going to be hurt. It doesn't mean that we're not going to suffer. But it does mean this. Thank God we have an anchor. What's the quality of your anchor? Is your anchor Lighthouse Baptist Church? Is your anchor religion? Is your anchor your good works? Is your anchor your perceived righteousness? If so, then you have a faulty and a flawed anchor. It's a, it, it won't do it. It won't do it. There's only one anchor for the soul. That's Jesus Christ. And then I said that not only that it says that sure, that's the quality of the anchor, but steadfast, that's the anchorage. What that, what that anchor is on makes all the difference there is. Uh, for most of the anchors that have the flukes or the blades on them, which is the most popular type, a more of a muddier sediment, not, not loose, silty, but more of a muddy uh, type of a bottom is better because it can cut into that some when it drags and set. If it's a very hard surface, it can just drag. It'll just keep dragging. Now, sometimes the weight of the anchor plus how much chain they put down or whatever is what's actually holding the boat. But the most common anchor has, has little, the, the different design of blades that can go into it that will actually catch. Where, where is your anchorage? Where does it go? Look at what the verse says. I told you I would explain something that may have been a little bit unknown to you as we looked at it. Verse 19, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and that which entereth into that within the veil. Then it says, inside that veil is where the forerunner, even Jesus went, made forever a, a priest after the order of Melchizedek. Let's, let's look at this piece at a time. This is Anchorage. Where did that anchor go into? We have an anchor for our soul. It's called the hope of knowing that we know Jesus Christ. That's our anchor. But where does that thing catch? How secure is this? The Bible says that that anchor, Abby, if you will, reaches all the way in to within the veil. Let's talk about within the veil. That term, I just mentioned this just in passing on, on Wednesday, that term within the veil is referring back to the Old Testament temple and the tabernacle before that. How many of you know that there was a temple in the Old Testament? Man, I don't know all the details. I kind of know about that. Okay. All the tabernacle was, was that same thing before it was a a. a Building and it was in the, the fancy tents that they had. The tabernacle means that things just movable and all that. And then the temple is the building. What is that temple? That that temple within that temple there was two of the main places in it. One's called the holy place and one's called the most holy place. The holy place the priest could enter into, but within the most holy place only the high priest was allowed to go in once a year as far as uh, as far as working in there. And that was on the Day of Atonement. Atonement was when Christ was paid for sin. And when he went within that veil, nobody else was allowed to be in there. Just the high priest was in. And in that veil, the main thing in there is one one thing, but the main thing in there was what was called the Ark of the Covenant. All Ark means is something that contains something. Inside that Ark of the Covenant was the law that had been given to Moses, the, the commandments which had been given to Moses. 
At one point, there was also the, uh, the, bot the bottom manna and Aaron's rod that budded. But the main thing in there, and what stayed in there, was the, the law of Moses. Now here, the law of God was given, was not given to make us righteous. That's righteous law. Don't get me wrong. If you keep it, it's righteous thing. But do you know what the law of God does? It reveals our weakness. It, you ever put a level on something? Now, my wife has a built-in laser level. That lady can see whether something's perfectly straight or perfectly level like nobody ever seen. She just, she's very good with that. Me? Uh-uh. If I'm, if I'm screwing a, a, a sheet of drywall, I will always end up wandering completely off the stud. I, I just, I have to strike line or I, I, I go, I guess, my, my head's asymmetrical or something. But what you do, I, I put up a little shelf and out in the garage the other night and I put a little level on it. Actually, I cheated and used my phone because it's got a building level with the utilities. I put it on there and it was a little shelf and got it to zero, so it was level. That, and and, and that, thing, that thing was within there. And so I can measure. Do you know what the law of God did when God gave it? It reveals the righteousness of God, gives us a way to please God, but you know what else it does? It puts a level. Here's what it does, Adam. It says, the Word of God, what it does, I'm being serious here with this, I'm thinking of the law of God comes along and, and it goes here. And as you start learning more and more about the Bible like you want to do, as you start learning it, you're going to find things where you say, uh-oh, I'm messed up in that area. Why? Because also you got something to take with your crooked or straight. I was a little fuzzy-headed, afro-headed teenage kid where I got saved. Man, I'm doing pretty good. But you know what? I was messing up in areas I didn't even know were messed up. I got into the Bible and I'm like, really? Oops. Huh? Right? Huh? 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 Your dad will tell you straighten up and then you're yeah. yeah, so is your head in the bucket. He uses the book. Alright? And, and so what happens is you we go along and, and Gabriel we go along and I was like, oh okay, that needs straightened out. That's what the law does. But you know what else the law does? You ready for this one? Get that back by the way, listen. Appreciate it. The uh, uh, but the uh, do you know what else the law does? If the law reveals to us we have a need. We talked about the gospel yesterday, and the first thing we talked about is the fact you didn't know you were lost, right? It's the first place you had to start. So we start talking about this, and the law of God says, here we are. Condemnation. Why? It's the condemnation because of our behavior. Okay, we've broken this law. We're under condemnation. That ark of the covenant, now this is neat, because this is where your anchor holds. In that ark of the covenant, guess what was over top? That you had the law down in there, and it speaks against man because it reveals our wickedness. There was something that was built over top of that. The top of that Ark of the Covenant was called a, a seat. What kind? Mercy seat. So in here is the law that condemns because of our, not because it's got a problem, because we have a problem. And over top of that is something called the mercy seat. God said, I'm going to cover that with mercy. Then one time a year, they would take the sacrifice and they would take the blood of the Lamb as in, behold, the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. And the high priest was the only one who could go in one time a year and he would take the blood in a basin and he would sprinkle the blood on top of the mercy seat and the sin... The condemnation of the law was covered with mercy that was sprinkled with blood. Why? Because God was saying, I am going to cover your wrong. 
And that high priest, after that was done and was accepted, he would walk out and the words he would say were the words that end up, you knowing them as, it is finished. Jesus Christ goes to the cross of Calvary and He gives up the ghost, dies before they come to break the legs of the other ones crucified beside Him, and He cries out for all eternity, it is finished. Well, I was talking to your neighbor over there. I kept saying to him, I said, Jesus said it is finished. Does He know what He's talking about or not? Jesus said it is finished. Does He know what He's talking about or not? When He said it is finished, that means we can't add to it. Our religion can't add to it. It's what Christ did. And He said it is finished. Thank God. That's our anchorage. Within the veil. You say, what's the thing about the veil? There was a curtain. Very thick curtain. You have these, uh, these curtains here. I have an STC radio, which is a soundproof rating on them. It's equivalent to about a 2 by 4 wall with insulation in it. Those are pretty expensive if you buy them. And when those are shut during Sunday school hours, so the Sunday school classes can meet, that's a pretty thick, uh, thick covering there. The veil of the temple was very thick, very expensive, very heavy. When Jesus was crucified, that veil ripped in half from top to bottom. Can you imagine being one of the priests in there when that happened? Don't you think some Jewish priest was losing it that day? Can you imagine being in there and being one of the priests? And what a noise would that make? It just opens. He's not even supposed to go back in there. He said, why'd that happen? Because the way to God was made open through Jesus Christ. Hey, you don't have to go through this preacher or a priest or anything else. You can go directly to God through Jesus Christ. That was made open. Why? Because our anchorage is within that veil. Our anchorage is at that place of atonement. Our anchorage is in the place where the blood of Christ covered the sins of mankind. That's my anchorage. Man, I've got an anchor that's good quality. And I've got an anchorage that's sure. And it's the Lord Jesus Christ. And it reaches within that veil. And by the way, it can't be pulled out either. Look at this. Verse 20. Whither in that place beyond in that veil, the forerunner, that one went before us, which is what I was preaching about on Wednesday night, where the forerunner is entered, even Jesus made a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Not only is he the sacrifice, not only is he the anchor of our soul, but he's also the high priest, the one who stepped between us and God and offered himself. That high priest, whoever the high priest was at any given time, Brother Robin, he would pass away. Either he would get old enough he could no longer perform his duties, or he would just die when he was still you know, serving. But he would die, and guess what there would have to be? Another high priest. And another high priest. The sacrifices had to keep being offered. Why did the sacrifices have to be offered every year? You ready for this? Because they couldn't make the people perfect that came unto them. They were incomplete sacrifices. When Christ came, those sacrifices were done because the once for all sacrifices made of Christ. But you want to know what else happened? There arose a new priest, not in the same lineage as those Levitical priests, but a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. We understand by the teachings of Melchizedek that he that Christ is able to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for the saints. And because His priesthood doesn't change, and because that sacrifice was sufficient for all time and eternity, and because it was completely acceptable to God, our anchor holds within the veil. The anchorage is within that veil. What's your anchor today? 
Can you see why religion is a flimsy, lousy anchor? Can you see why trying to anchor into hopes that are not built on what the Bible teaches are just, your anchorage is terrible? It's only Christ that keeps us. Well, you're in your hope. Some of you have been through a lot of storms of life already. Some of you have had things to test, test and try you, to, to test your faith and push you. And many of us in the days ahead will have more. Like what that old preacher said. I've quoted it here often. You may be saved down here, but you're not safe down here. That's a good thing to remember. Jesus said it well, didn't He? In this world, you shall have tribulation. Be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. Why? Because there's an anchor. What holds you? You ever just feel like you're drifting? There's nothing you can get a hold of? Maybe you think that's just the way life has to be for you. It's not. Why? Because we have an anchor, a hope of our soul, Jesus Christ. And uh, you're going to have some waves come over your deck occasionally. But thank God your anchor holds. Where is your anchor? Is your faith today in Christ? I am talking to the newest among us and those who have been with me the longest. Where's your faith? Is it in Christ or is it in you? Is it in Him or is it in your goodness? Is it in Jesus and His sacrifice or is it in this church? The only place worthy of putting your faith is in the Lord Himself. Let me pray with you, all right? Father, thank You for Your Word. Thank You for this portion and teaching of Scripture. Help us, dear God, to have sense enough to believe You. Have I spoken to ones that don't know You this morning? You know the hearts of all of us as we came in here this morning. You know who belongs to You and who doesn't. God, I pray that You'd send conviction upon the soul of those who don't know You. It's a good day when You brought my proud heart under conviction. Lord, I pray that You'll do that. Thank You for Your mercy and grace. Blessed to the intent of your purpose, I ask in Christ's name. Amen. Let me ask you something with your heads bowed for just a moment. I'm not going to play any trickery. I don't fool around. While your heads are bowed, let me ask you just a question here, please. How many of you are not ashamed at all? And you say, Preacher, my faith is in Christ. I'm not asking about the quality of your Christian life. I'm talking about where's your faith placed. Is it in Christ? This morning you say, I'm not ashamed of Him. He's my Savior and I don't mind admitting it. Would you slip your hand up if that's you this morning? Let me see. Praise God. Let me ask you this. Have you had some storms hit you hard? We have an anchor that keeps the soul. And God wants to use it to keep you steady for Him. Keep you, keep you where you ought to be. If this morning you were not able to raise your hand and honesty prevented you from raising it, Please don't leave here without Christ. We have invitation in a moment when we do. Make your way down here. We'll not make a spectacle of you. Not anything like that at all. We'll take the Bible. We'll pray with you and show you what you need to know where you can have Christ as your Savior. Your soul's important. Where you're going is important. Please don't treat it lightly. Let's stand together, please. We have song invitation. Why don't you come? And God's people ought to come this morning. Some of you ought to just come and thank God you have an anchor. Some of you come as a reset. I say, God, the storm's been hitting pretty hard. And I'm just going to, Lord, I don't know a lot of things I don't know what to do, but this I do know, and we'll keep trusting you.